Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Sinead Says podcast. We know every week that I have some listener messages and I thought it best to bring in a licensed therapist to answer your questions. So that is what we are doing today on our episode. So this week we have Melissa Hummelt and she's a licensed therapist and she's the senior clinical operations manager at BetterHelp. Melissa has a clinical expertise in anxiety, relationship distress, self-esteem, depression, substance use, and life transitions for all people. And she's here to answer some of your questions. And as we all know, BetterHelp is our sponsor from day one. And I just wanted you to know that. And I'm so excited to have Melissa here to answer some of your questions. Welcome, Melissa. How are you today? Really good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about all things listener questions. They've got some really great ones and I'm, I'm excited to dive in with you. Amazing. So first of all, I'd like to just ask you, you know, why you became a therapist and, you know, your role within uh, BetterHelp as well, if that's something you could answer today. Sure. Um, I became a therapist because I had a really transformative experience in therapy myself in the client seat. And it was so rewarding for me and life-changing really that I thought like, what could be more rewarding than to be able to do that for someone else? So um, that is what got me into the field um, is my own positive experience in the client seat. And what I do at BetterHelp um, on the clinical operations team, I'm with a team of other licensed therapists and we oversee a lot of quality initiatives on our platform, um, just making sure that our clients that sign up on our platform receive top-notch services. Um, so it's a variety of different things, but, um, providing support, um, sometimes interfacing with the therapists and the clients on our platform, just to make sure, um, everything is high quality care. Oh, amazing. So we're going to dive in with some of your listener questions and, I, over the, over the coming weeks, I think we're on the fifth or sixth episode now, and I've just done loads of listener messages and I've kind of just put them into like a generic because they're, they're all very similar. Everyone seems to have the same issues and want the same answers. So I think the first one that has came up mostly is about overthinking and how can I overcome overthinking, not just in like life, but in terms of like even relationships that's a massive question like I feel like I'm overthinking my relationship maybe more than my partner and I feel like it's sort of like sabotaging the relationship so is there any way we can overcome this overthinking yeah I I agree with you it's a really good question because I think it's a pretty universal experience um the backing up a step just what is overthinking and how does it differ from deep thinking or critical thinking um, overthinking tends to be repetitive, maybe obsessive and non-productive in nature. And these thoughts are probably impacting someone's quality of life in a negative way. Um, so especially when we're thinking about overthinking with relationships, this is probably interfering in the relationship in, in some way, making you feel something that maybe you don't need to feel. And I make that distinction between overthinking and like deep thinking, because some people can fall into can fall into a trap of thinking that overthinking can be somehow productive or protective, like it's going to help us avoid bad things from happening in some way. Um, and so overthinking will definitely keep our mind busy, but not necessarily in a constructive way. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. And like one thing that I learned as well from therapy, I was actually, because I entered a new relationship recently and I started 
I did another six week stints with better health because I felt like I was being triggered. I felt like I was obsessing over the relationship and thinking more than I should. I felt like I was very activated, but obviously what therapy taught me is that like, I am a bit more anxiously attached. So I tend to overthink. So instead of like sabotaging the relationship with, you know, like overthinking and accusing, I was able to like self soothe um, myself before like sabotaging the relationship. So is there any ways we can self soothe or overthinking in relationships? Yeah, definitely. And you might even have some personal insights into this because it sounds like you, you learned a lot through therapy and learned a lot about yourself. I think what I'm hearing you describe is like, it kind of looked and felt like a loop in your mind. You're playing something that either happened in the past over and over again, or maybe agonizing about what might happen in the future. Um, There's a lot of different flavors of what this can look like, and it can be pretty distressing. So I think first, just noticing that it's happening can gain some awareness around it um, before we even get to self-soothing. And I know that sounds really simple, but just Sometimes we don't even notice that we're like in the thought spiral and we're really in it and it's like a full-blown tornado. So just kind of catching it as it's happening and even like saying out loud, like I'm overthinking right now, um, can kind of help us see it from a different perspective before we're totally sucked in, if that makes sense. Another thing to remember, and this can be like a self-soothing technique, is that our thoughts are just thoughts. And sometimes I think we because we think our thoughts, we think that they're the truth somehow, and that's not necessarily the case. Our thoughts are not necessarily the truth with a capital T, they're just thoughts. And being able to see them as such can maybe create a different sort of relationship that we have with them. Um, Maybe one visual that might be helpful to the listeners is sometimes I liken overthinking to like a channel that we might play on TV, like of all the different channels that we have available to us, why are we stuck on the one that is not necessarily helpful or productive? Are there other channels we could tune into? Um, Can we turn down the volume of this channel in some way? So hopefully some more of the the, the tips and tricks that we talk about can can help to shift the channel or to to turn down the volume at least. Yeah, I definitely think that helps me because I think like triggers and overthinking does come up, but with therapy I've learned to realize the trigger notice it like sort of breathe through it and understand like am I going to take action on this thought or am I going to like examine this thought and like see if it's true and most of the time like it's not true or it's like a way I can communicate in a different in a different way so for me to because like I'm a bit more anxiously attached what way can I communicate to my partner about my overthinking in order to feel more secure in my relationship or in myself I think you just knowing your triggers and knowing yeah. that piece of you is, is huge. Um, I think in order for us to do anything with something unproductive, um, we have to understand it really well. And, and you knowing your trigger um, is, is a really good first step. And being open about that, if you feel comfortable with your partner, is huge that you can talk about it openly. Because um, I think that alone being able to like acknowledge I'm feeling this sort of way in our relationship. Uh, I'm noticing these feelings come up. These are where my thoughts are going and getting some feedback from your partner about, you know, it's going to look differently depending on what your, what your thoughts are about. Um, But getting that feedback can help, can help you change your perspective. um, Especially if your thoughts are tending to 
go somewhere that is not necessarily true. So it's really helpful if you're able to talk about it with your partner. Um, but again, like everyone's gonna have different triggers, whether it's in your relationship or if it's like social related stuff, going on an airplane, um, managing crowds, um, there's there's different triggers and just knowing what that is will be really helpful in like better understanding it, better tackling it. So it, it's really great that you've been able to recognize that for yourself. Yeah. And like, I also think like understanding that two people have very different attachment styles and they grow up differently like you know my partner would be a very very secure person and obviously when you're very secure it's very hard to understand that another person isn't so that's why like you know being able to understand who you truly are and your triggers and you know how anxious you are or if you are overthinking that you can communicate the way you are to your partner and they can soothe you as well and they can make you feel secure by being like oh I didn't understand that that's how you felt because it can be very hard for a like couple to understand each other but because if I'm feeling say for example if I was overthinking 24 7 like I think that he's also overthinking but in fact like I'm just sort of wired a little bit differently because of the things that have happened to me in the past but I think like understanding how to communicate that through things like therapy with my partner has really helped me um become more secure person and also as you said like understanding my triggers and understanding every time I see the trigger I used to react on it you know when I was younger and then obviously being more aware of the trigger every time I feel it coming up like I kind of sit back and be like is this true and I can really understand and the more I see it the more I heal if you know what I mean I am I'm able to talk myself down from it and then the next time it's easier and easier and easier so I definitely think that all that stuff is, is definitely really helps me so Thank you very much for the talk on overthinking. And I think another common question from people on the podcast was people really not understanding what burnout is and then how to deal with burnout. So first of all, like, could you please explain what burnout is? Sure. So burnout is probably a term we've all heard in some shape or form, and it's not necessarily just about being tired. Um, it's sort of the special stress that gets built up over time. It's like a state of physical or emotional exhaustion. And sometimes there's even like a personal identity sort of crisis that comes along with it. Like what, what am I doing? Um, and when I think about burnout, I think a lot of us experience it through work. So um, just because we spend so much time and energy there. And um, so, it might be interesting to think about how this might may show up in work-related settings versus like other parts of your life, like social or family. Um, but some physical symptoms you might look out for are just noticing a change in your energy. Like, are you feeling just drained and exhausted? Are your sleep patterns different at all? Are you sleeping less? Are you sleeping more, having trouble falling asleep? Um, body aches, whether it's like headaches or pains, muscle aches, even like GI or stomach issues um, can be a, a, a symptom or a sign. Um, and changes in appetite is also something to look out for. And then emotionally, are you feeling cynical or like overly critical? Are you noticing feeling irritable, um, a little more impatient with the people you work with or the people around you? Um, are you finding it hard to concentrate on your work or the task at hand? And are you noticing just lacking like a satisfaction from what you're working on? Um, and then behaviorally, are you noticing any changes in how 
you're showing up and like behaving and treating your body and treating yourself. So are you using any like food or substances to self-soothe in maybe a not so healthy way? Um, are you withdrawing from any responsibilities that you have? Are you noticing procrastinating on things that usually don't? Are you isolating from your friends? So those are some signs of what it can look like. And of course, it's going to show up a little bit differently in each person, but that's kind of what it looks like. Yeah. Um, from what I've seen as well from friends who I, who have burnout as well, it's like working their asses off and then coming home and then having the kids and like the school run and everything is just on top of them, but it's just go, 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 go. And they think this is their life until one day it's like headaches, anxiety. And like, I feel like when I look at it, it's like, no one is decompressing their nervous system. No one is de-exciting. No one is doing any sort of relaxation techniques at all like and I always say like back in the old days with our grannies and grandas like they could literally come home and they could de-excite their nervous systems like they could kick off their shoes and sit by the fire no tv no phone no work home with them like at now we are like on instagram we are constantly having emails messages it's literally like a non-stop um process in your brain with absolutely no downtime and I feel like people then be hit with the stomach issues and the anxiety and the sore heads and they don't know what it is so they just keep continuing and then that's when like burnout comes and I've I've seen it firsthand with friends and sometimes the, the hardest thing is to like recognize what burnout is but um thanks for the tips there but how can we deal with this burnout first of all how do we find that how do we know we're in a burnout and then how can we deal with it and how can we come back and refresh ourselves? Yeah, that is the golden question. And I think you're spot on that. Like it kind of creeps up on us sometimes. Um, I think understanding where is the cause is important. Is it, is it work-related? Is it just too much on your plate? Um, What are the factors that are playing a, a role here and something else you mentioned just like the bombardment of like notifications we get from our phones our phones are always within arm's reach there's always some sort of person trying to get in touch with us it's, it's a lot and we don't really get a lot of time to, to decompress so kind of understanding your own situation with where those stressors and pressures are coming from is going to be really important to kind of problem solve your own um your own situation but um, one thing I wanted to, to talk about is just the idea of saying no. I think for many of us, saying no is really, really hard, um, especially when there's someone else involved, whether it's like a colleague, our boss, a friend. Like most of us want to show up and say yes and be a nice person and take on more if we can. But every time we're saying yes to something, we're saying no to something else. So thinking about like what gets shifted around or compromised because we're taking on more work or taking on more responsibilities somewhere, like kind of thinking about of all the things that I have going on, what are, what, what are the things that are important to me and how is my life lining up with like what I truly value? And am, am I putting my energy into those things at like the right sort of balance that when I check in with myself, that is what makes me feel most like myself and makes me feel most fulfilled. Um, so kind of taking a hard look at like, where, where can I be saying no, maybe a little more often and setting some boundaries around my time. And the hardest, the hardest thing to do at all is to say no and set boundaries, but what tips can you give for setting boundaries? I, I personally, am such a people pleaser. It's very hard for me to say no, but 
things like therapy therapy is very good for setting boundaries they really do give you that like self-worth and and like for me it was definitely try and put in like a little small boundary and see how it feels because the first time you do it you kind of feel like a bit tight in the chest but then like you realize that it actually is really really helpful for you and also realizing that when someone else puts in a boundary with you and says no you don't take it as personally as what you think other people are going to take it so I think that really helped me as well knowing that when people say no to me that I don't take it personally so if I say no to someone else like hopefully they don't take personally um so yeah what's your best advice for people to say no I think that's that's just the hardest thing to do so when you're a when you're a people pleaser I'm a I'm definitely a people pleaser but yeah, so you know exactly how hard this is. Um, I, I love your tips, to kind of starting with something small and going from there and kind of giving yourself a moment to reflect on, like, how was that experience for me? What happened? Like, nothing bad happened. I was okay. And look at what that allowed me to do. I got more time back in my day or I was able to spend more time with my friends. Um, so kind of give, giving yourself some grace and starting small and kind of building up from there. I think kind of knowing again, like what, what is it that I really value is important and can be really helpful in making hard decisions, especially when maybe you're used to saying yes a lot um, or people pleasing, like kind of knowing what am I compromising here? What is getting shifted because I'm not giving myself enough time to do the things that are really meaningful to me and kind of putting yourself as a priority in that way. Um, you know, some other boundaries that are maybe important to think about that aren't so difficult to put in place or just like boundaries around technology and like mm -hmm. setting some notification settings and giving yourself like a little bit of tech free time or just time away from screens, which allows you to do something else that hopefully you enjoy or feels decompressing or relaxing. So, um, you know, starting small with hopefully those tips and just kind of allowing yourself to gain confidence along the way can be really helpful and underneath it all remembering I'm putting myself first here by doing this yeah that's really helpful as well because when you think of boundaries you think of like boundaries with people but most of the time like we are constantly bombarded by content through our phones because it's like it's a it's a bad habit isn't it just we constantly pick it up but it is draining us at the same time so like putting boundaries in to like maybe turn your phone off at like seven o'clock eight o'clock and enjoy your time and be fully present um, if anyone's listening, there's a great book called How to Break Up with Your Phone that really helps you do, do as it says, break up with your phone. It talks about digital detoxes. And I think it's really important to have that time off. But people do, people get really, really anxious, though, about leaving their phone at home. Like when I'm doing my classes here or a thing, I'm always telling people like today's goal is to go for a mindful walk and leave your phone at home. And people feel really, really anxious to leave their phone at home. And I get that. But it is like we did it for years and years and years so like what's wrong with going for a 20 minute walk you know and the people that will get to you will get to you in 20 minutes like most of the time we don't reply at the same time anyway we usually just wait a while so I think it's important to bring awareness to how we're using technology as well because it can become our whole world um and I feel like yeah that's good because we do what an awesome challenge yeah I think most yeah. of us could could benefit from a little less phone or technology time and just being a little more present like we just aren't as present and engaged in our present moment with the people around us as much as we could be and that's really a shame yeah I actually read this book and it's such a, it was so helpful for me um 
sorry, I read a lot of books, but it was called Lost Connections. But he said this one thing about our phones and he said, what's your definition of heaven? And usually people's definition of heaven is like an eternity with your loved ones. And it's like, we can have that right now. If we turn off our phones, like we can have heaven on earth. If we turn off our phones, like we see heaven as spending quality time with our loved ones, whilst like we can have it here. So it was like such, it was so powerful for me. So thought I would just say that. that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So Another question from the listeners is, we have a lot of girls going through a breakup. It's very breakup orientated. Um, And we have a lot of broken hearts. So someone said, um, I've been broken up with my ex for over two years now, and I really can't seem to move on. Um, I feel like no one compares to him, so I don't even bother. I still think about him and get very upset. Um, He has moved on with someone new, but how can I get over this myself? Oh, I know. that is tough. That's so tough. You know, I imagine some of this overthinking conversation might be helpful. Um, I would imagine this person might have thoughts about what's happened in the past and maybe struggling to think about what the future might look like without this person. So I think kind of looking at what are my thoughts trying to tell me? about what this relationship was like. Um, and it, you almost have to kind of go through a grieving process in a sense when you go through a breakup, like it, it, a person hasn't died, but like you have to say goodbye to the relationship and who you were in that relationship. It's it's a lot. Um, so I think first giving yourself some grace that this is really, really tough. I can hear this is a really special relationship to this person. I think once, once you get to a place where you can kind of do some self-reflective work and think of, think about like, what, what did I gain from this relationship? What did I learn about myself? What kind of partner, you know, do I want to be in my next relationship, knowing what I just experienced kind of using the experience as a learning opportunity and, and trying to take something good from it, um, can maybe like shift the perspective a bit. And I also think hopefully this person can give themselves some self-compassionate talk. I imagine there might be some like critical self-talk or some harsh self-talk about like what went wrong and their involvement in that and what things might look like without this person. So um, just kind of watching that inner dialogue and if they're able to talk to themselves like they would a friend, if they had their very best friend who went through a breakup too, how would they talk to them about what happened? And what they're going through and are you giving yourself that same sort of kindness and warmness and and grace um sometimes we can beat up on ourselves for things that have happened um which isn't really fair and certainly not productive so kind of taking a look at your inner voice and seeing what is it saying to me what kind of messages am i giving myself about what i've been through and where i'm going can be helpful yeah and like through breakups as well, from everything I've read on breakups as well, like you do have to go through those stages of grief, don't you? So there's like acceptance, there's anger and like looking at all these different stages. And I think like the heart, like when I'm reading that question, all I'm seeing is lack of acceptance as well, which is the hardest thing. And I always say as well, like when you're not accepting, you're not really, um, you're not really inviting the pain to grieve. You're just suffering because you're avoiding the pain. You're just not accepting what it is. So I think that, like, as you said, those stages of grief have to be gone through. So the first one is probably acceptance for anyone listening who's gone through a breakup and um, 
thank you so much for that as well like there there is a lot of people going through breakups and heartbreak and it absolutely breaks my heart listen to my listener messages sometimes because I think the most common thing is that people feel like they can't really live without their partner after like they feel really distraught and I think like you know how can we arm ourselves when we go into this next relationship that we don't lose ourselves in this relationship and that we don't feel completely lost without them do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's a really tough place to be but I hope just by hearing this that other people are experiencing it that there's a sense of like I'm not the only one who feels this way right now there's other people who have been through this who have gone through it and have been okay on the other side it's it's really hard to go through a breakup um but feeling like you're alone in it it can add like an extra layer of difficulty um so just a reminder to find your people build up support in whatever way you can and lean on them when it's tough um yeah and for me as well like I went through a breakup a few years ago and I I was actually very similar like it took me a long time and I I didn't want to be with anyone I was just like no 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 and obviously therapy is something that helped me so much and you know it's so funny like therapy almost gave me a little bit of tough love because I feel like the romanticized version of the relationship was um what I was sticking to and then I was forgetting about all the times I felt anxiety all the times I felt crap all the times I wasn't treated well enough and instead I was just romanticizing this whole relationship and thinking it was amazing but I think therapy kind of gave me that little bit of tough love and was questioning not just my experience but like what was his experience because at the end of the day we don't know the other person's experience we can only experience we can only see through the experience of our own so like the way we feel is not the way they were feeling at the same time so sometimes we're caught up in this like he's the one he's soulmate etc and like that really like that process of therapy really helped me get to anger get to acceptance so um on that note like a lot of people here have been wanting to go to therapy people here do um do better help as well but what is how can we find the therapist for us and at what point do we begin therapy I mean for me I just love therapy I just love having it in everyday life and finding out more and more things about me but um yeah how can we find the right therapist yeah there's so many options and different types of therapists with different types of credentials and titles it can be an overwhelming process but I think the first step is to do a little research and read some biographies and profiles and kind of get a sense of what is it that I hope my therapist can work with me on some people might say that every therapist should be equipped with the skills and the tools and the knowledge to help every single client that comes their way but there's a really important human connection piece. You know, the therapist is a human, the client is a human. And ultimately what's most important is that like connection, that vibe that you feel. Um, This is even backed up by research. Like the most important factor in good therapy outcomes is what they call the therapeutic alliance or the working alliance. And the biggest piece of that is just like the energy that you feel, the, the, the bond that you have with your therapist. And so some questions you might ask yourself once you do meet with a therapist, like, do I feel safe and comfortable to be open? Um, Does it seem like my therapist gets me and understands me? Does it seem like we're wanting to work on the same sort of goals? Are they supporting me reaching my goals? And I think a big part 
in getting there is knowing like, do I have any preferences about who I open up to? You know, for some people, it's really important that they talk with a woman. For some people, it's critical that they're speaking with a man. Many people are looking for, you know, somebody, a, a, a therapist of color. So knowing what your preferences are can be helpful because it kind of helps you find the best match. And that helps with that therapeutic alliance that we were talking about. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I have no idea what my preferences are, that's totally okay too. And sometimes we find a therapist that on paper seems like a perfect match, but then we like meet them for the first time and there's a vibe check and it just doesn't work. And that's totally okay. And it's, it's totally normal if it takes a couple of tries to, to find the right one. Yeah. I think for me, um, I, I just love all my therapists. I feel like I have loads of them. They're like my friends, but I like when I'm going through, say, for example, I feel like productivity, like a la- like a lack of productivity, like, you know, you can search for that on the BetterHelp app. You can search for like goal oriented value. Like you can really get like get that. But also like when I'm going through like relationship issues as well, like you there's different therapists for that as well, like relationship issues, anxious attachment. And it's important to know all those things. And that's why it's good to go through those biographies as well um, and have a real look of like what exactly that you want and another amazing factor for me in therapy is that they are nowhere near my hometown or anything like that like I just want to be able to feel totally safe and that's why that's why I kind of love better help as well because I just feel like I can just alert everything out as well so um that's a huge plus and I I just want to piggyback off of that because you know thinking about the preferences whether that's like somebody who's like in my country or in my state, but not anywhere near where I live, um, but is also a woman and specializes in this area and works with people like me, um, you know, that can be a pretty specific person, but because our platform is so big, we have so many therapists, we have like over 30,000 of them. um, It's pretty likely that we'll have the kind of person that you're looking for because we're the largest therapy service. So that's an important thing to keep in mind too, that if if you're looking for someone pretty specific, chances are pretty good that we have a person like that on our platform. Yeah. And just reminding everyone again that you can get 10% off your first month with BetterHelp with betterhelp.com slash That is betterhelp.com slash And I always have some great reviews from people as well. Um, so keep sending them in. And I just want to say thank you very much to Melissa for coming today. And if you have any more questions for Melissa, uh, we will have her back on again. So let us know any of your questions by contacting the Sinead Says podcast Instagram and let us know your questions there. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming on today, Melissa, and answering our listener questions. And yeah, thank you very much for coming. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that is the it for this week. So thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Thank you very much.